Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you today? Ah, I'm fine, Dan. How are you? I'm doing all right. Wow. Have you, um, have you uh, read the papers yet today? No, sir. I have not. Hmm. I had a whole idea for a thing I wanted to talk about, but now I think all I want to do is read you this one news article. Okay. okay. Hit me. Do you have a saxophone or anything like nearby where you could like maybe play a little tune while I read um, this? No, no, I do. I don't actually. I don't. What about a Jew's harp? Um, is that what it's called? That is, we yeah, have the little bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, like that. <laughs> I used to have one of those back when I was a kid. I freaking loved it. Hurt that my thing. teeth. Yeah, I never well, learned how to do it. I think I was improperly trained, and I kept hitting my teeth. Yeah, that happens. I don't think that it's good for anyone to play those things at any for any real length of time. Yeah, I mean, if you're anti-Semitic, like that's exactly the kind of thing that's going to make you look really bad. That's right. They need to, you know what? They need uh, to reevaluate their brand now and see if they you know they need to take a step it. back uh, and spend some time with family during this difficult time. Okay, I promise I'm not going to read you this whole thing, but um, I got up this morning, do 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 do, and um, <laughs> one of my favorite writers is a guy who writes for the Daily Beast named Will Summer, and he um, he has he's one of those poor bastards where his beat is uh, actually the whole reason I believe he got hired by the Daily Beast is because he's been following the far right, the, the super fringy wackadoo far right. Yeah. And so like he uh, he still has a newsletter called Right Richter. And I think that's kind of why they hired him. But anyway, that's his beat. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, so I woke up and I did see this tweet. Trump's new COVID doctor says sex with demons makes you sick. Well, I mean, everyone knows that. What is that? How Have you had a chance news? to read this article yet, uh, Dan? No. Okay. Um, just a little bit. First of all, Houston, right? It's a big Texas energy here. Mm-hmm. A Houston doctor who praises hydroxychloroquine and says that face masks aren't necessary to stop transmission of the highly contagious coronavirus has become a star on the right-wing internet. Tens of millions of uh, views. Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, before Trump and his supporters... Uh, before Trump and his supporters embrace Emmanuel's uh, medical expertise, though, they should consider other medical claims uh, she has made, including those about alien DNA and the physical effects of having sex with witches and demons in your dreams. So, um, cysts, endometriosis, all of that caused by uh, having sex in a dream uh, with demons and witches. <laughs> I mean, so far, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the yeah. weird part. I'm show waiting the for lie. the weird. Yeah, show me what's. <laughs> Which part of it um, am I supposed to be hearing? That's I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm. Just, see, this is that 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 media bias of the left. Um, there were there's a, uh, a couple news. good ones. Go ahead. Fake news is what I was saying. Oh, fake news! Of course, yeah. of course, of course. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, now, and I understand. Understand. She's. I. I I, I, I don't mean to be making fun of the way this woman speaks. She's originally from Cameroon, and I'm sure her English is better than my whatever they speak in Cameroon. But uh, so this video went out, Trump had retweeted it, it got taken down. She says, hello, Facebook, put back my profile page and videos up or your computers with start crashing till you do. Uh, Jesus is going to crash their computers. You are not bigger than that God. I promise you, if my page is not back up, Facebook will be down in Jesus name. (laughs) She's got a legal defense fund. She's not, Merlin, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. You can't prove a negative. 
Uh, in sermons posted on YouTube and articles on her website, Emanuela claims that medical issues like endometriosis, cyst infertility, and impotence are caused by sex with, quote, spirit husbands and spirit wives. A, phenom- a phenomenon Emmanuel describes essentially as witches and demons having sex with people in a dream world. So wait a minute. Um, uh, hold on. Let's roll back to spirit wives yeah. for a second. Yeah. How do you how get do a you spirit kn- wife? Is that like a Craigslist thing or a Tinder? Are, are they saying that you might be married to someone who is a spirit wife or that you have a spirit wife in your, like somehow in your dream? And- oh, I see. So it depends. Do you put the emphasis on the spirit or the wife? Well, yeah, I mean, the, so like, the idea that like you have that it's not just like a spirit uh, to me, a, a, friend a spirit with benefits wife, or something, but a, a, a spirit wife would be when you bone down with a lady in your in your dreams. A spirit wife is when you marry a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> um, this yeah. might be my favorite sentence of the month. Uh, so quoting here, they are responsible for serious gynecological problems, Emmanuel said. We call them all kinds of names. Endometriosis, we call them molar pregnancies. Oh, I don't like any of these words. We call them fibroids, cysts. But most of them are evil deposits from the spirit husband. Which is my fair, favorite Emerson, Lake and Palmer album. <laughs> I'm more interested, to be honest, I've never heard this term spirit wife and spirit husband. I'm familiar Let's with interrogate it. An yeah. incubus and a succubus. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you, you don't blow. Right. Okay. Hang on. So, hang on. Pa- pause, pause this for a second. There's something really yeah. interesting happening right now. In uh, yeah. I, I'm we. This is inside baseball, but we use Skype to talk to each other uh, and to record these. And so even when we're in person, we will call each other on Skype to talk. Uh-huh. But at the bottom of the Skype chat window, there is a pulsing heart. Uh, uh, and underneath the word, underneath the picture of the heart is the word react. Huh. And uh, when you, when and you Skype pivoted to Scientology. Well, when you, oh, okay. So now that I've moused over the heart, it shows a crying emoji a slow clap emoji, a giant m- m- laughing. I'm going to click the heart and you tell me what just, That's I just probably the one of the, I just, I just got a heart. Uh huh. Okay. There's first, it was you talking to a pencil and then it turned into a heart. Okay. Um, that's is that a quick reaction. What do you call that? I don't know, but I'm going to be using this throughout the show today. I'm just going to let you know that I will be oh, reacting. No, I'm, I'm, I'm completely ready. Okay. They're responsible for miscarriages and impotence. Men that can't get it up. <laughs> Anyways, so that's, uh, that's happening right now. Oh, by the way, she thinks the, the, the child's toy, the magic eight ball. She thinks that's a psychic. Like you can consult it or that it's evil. Oh, I don't know. The, the, I think she might mean psionic. <laughs> I never in got, I never did psionic attacks. I, ne- I never really understood it. I felt no, like it was no, too no. advanced. It's like encumbrance. Yes. Um, okay. 2015 sermon on the Illuminati's supposed agenda to bring down the United States. She argues that a wide variety of toys, books, and TV shows from Pokemon, which she declares Eastern demons. Wow to uh, Harry Potter and the Disney Channel shows Wizards of Waverly Place and That's So Raven were all part of a scheme to introduce children to spirits and witches. Oh, oh of she course. that uh, Hannah Montana was a gateway to evil uh, because its character had an alter ego. She's claimed that schools teach children to meditate so they can meet with demons. That's, that's originally why you got started, right? You wanted to, I think you wanted some relaxation, weight loss, and to meet, meet with demons. Meeting, meeting demons. Find out, if, 
meet demons in your area right now. <laughs> How do you know if you've met a demon? <laughs> I don't know. Are you currently <laughs> paying alimony? <laughs> no. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's confusing uh, to me. Because you know what? Let's, spend, let's do 10 minutes on this, uh, right. Dan. We I'm shouldn't do 40 it. minutes on this, but let's do 10 minutes on this because I think we need to talk about some of the spiritual issues that this is raising about this, uh, the state of the body politic. Okay. Okay. You get, you get, we got spirit, we got spirit wives and spirit husbands. We've got demons. We've got the, there's Eastern demons, which seems like a very racist name for a Pokemon. Demon, <laughs> demon. Um, so, so, so where do we start? Let's see. Okay. So, is it necessary that anyone with whom one has had sexy times in a dream is necessarily a spirit or demon? Or how, how does that work? What's the, I mean, if you like the logic of that, is it, it it's only some, some spirits that you're, that you're, uh, you know, uh, going downtown with? Well, you've got to have limits. I mean, you've got to be particular. You've got to Boundaries. do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so like there's times a day when you when you say please don't haunt me at at certain times. You know that's that's when I that's when I do my reading or or whatever. Exactly. You know? No, that's that's correct. You've got to have time. Well, you've got a me time, self care. Me time. I'm you know I'm planning to become a massage therapist, and so like I can't I can't be having dream- stop sending me a heart. <laughs> I can't be having dream sex with you. <laughs> I love you. You are my spirit husband, and I love you, but I can't have sex with you all the time <laughs> because I'm trying to become a licensed massage therapist. Now, in a dream, I would think you could have unlimited sex. You get as much sex as you want because there's no, oh, like, you don't like get tired. Those, uh, Olive Garden unlimited pasta passes. Right. That's right. You keep coming back as soon as the plate's empty. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Watch out for that snot guard. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. I mean, I think consent always is an issue. You want to have, you know, spiritual mutual consent. That's so important. Um, really, it's always been important, but now, especially, well, you know, with the with the state of the spirit and corporeal world, and and the kind of the tribal fractiousness that we feel with those who've passed to the other side. Right. You know, and we're back here, and they're saying, "Hey, why don't you finish my business?" And I say, "Well, hey, why didn't you finish your business?" A mask is a muzzle. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's the tweet that Twitter took down today, I believe, from Mr. Oh. Trump's account. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about, uh, I don't think about uh, spirituality or intercourse as much as I used to. I think they, they, they maybe, you know what? Maybe that's a clue. You know what I'm saying? If you're yes. going to Harry Potter this situation, get in the mystery machine maybe that would help help you understand how to solve my riddle. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Called a praying hand job. Um, the, wow. No, that, this show will never air. Anyway, that was just a funny way to wake up. Kind of a funny, funny way to wake up. Oh yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, that's the first thing you see in the morning, but I still, is, is a spirit husband or a spirit wife a thing that kind of, like, is that a known thing or is that something this person is introducing to us for the first time? Um, very good question. I, I have not read every, uh, every square inch of this article because I'm barely awake. But what I can tell you is that this video is, um, let's see here. It was at some kind of... See, when I say ding-a-ling convention, that sounds insulting. It was at some kind of a gathering. Um, and so, 
There's actually a funny anecdote about this. He's a registered physician in Texas. Oh, hey, Dan, I'll tell you what. I'll find out. You tell me about something that you like. Oh, man, I would love to tell you about Native. Native. Native is, I love this stuff. and So fresh, so clean. You know what I'm saying? Well, I live, I've, before I lived here in Texas, I had the misfortune to live in Florida for a long time. And I'll tell you what, I know everything there is to know about living in hot climates here in America. And I can tell you that deodorant is is an important thing. And Native makes my favorite deodorant. They make such a great product. It's all natural. It's made out of stuff that you understand. There's no chemicals. And, and when you think about it, you know, my grandfather always used to say everything in, in moderation. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you're putting deodorant on probably every single day. Like it's one of those things that even on days where you might not, uh, you know, pimp your hair out as you do, you're still putting on hmm. deodorant. Is, is you know that called turning your hair out? Is that what that's called? Turning your hair out. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is almost pretty much every single day, even in the wintertime, you're probably putting deodorant on. It becomes part of your daily routine. That means that this substance that you're putting on is on your skin 24 hours a day, seven days a week, probably all year round, probably for most of your life. If you think about that, wouldn't you want that stuff to be good for you or at least neutral? And that's what Native's all about. They don't just block odor better. It's made better. It has ingredients like stuff you've heard of, like I said, coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch. It's vegan. It's never tested on animals. And let me tell you why it's a little different from uh, aluminum or as, as you would say, aluminum. Mm-hmm. Aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands. That's how it works. So when you put on a, 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 like a regular deodorant and a perspirant thing, it's See, like- For aluminum, it's a feature, not a bug. That's plug. what that, that's how it works. That's why it works. Native never uses mm-hmm. ingredients like aluminum. They don't have any parabens or sulfates or talc. And switching to an aluminum-free deodorant, it doesn't mean that you've got to sacrifice on odor protection. It will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day. They had they have over ten different scents. They have rotating seasonal scents. They have something for everyone. The most uh, popular ones, according to my notes here, are coconut and vanilla, which is a which is one lavender and rose, which is another cucumber and mint, which is the one I'm using right now that I like. I think it might be my favorite. Uh, and they have a citrus and herbal, and there's more of them on there, and you can try a lot of them. My my son consistently will. St- was stealing this one. They would send me one to try and he would claim it and take it. So now I have to hide it, but it's great. And here's another great thing about it. It's risk-free. Every single product comes with free shipping within the United States and three day returns and exchanges. Uh, So you can check it out without any risk. They've got over 14,000 five-star reviews. Go check this out. Do what I did, make the switch. And if you use our promo code, you will get 20% off your first order. So here's where you go. NativeDeo.com, N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O.com, NativeDeo, slash back to work. So NativeDeo.com slash back to work. And when you're there, promo code back to work will get you 20% off your first order. Thanks very much to Native, a product I actually use and love for sponsoring this episode. 
Thanks, Native. Buck, buck. Now, when you said Dio, it took me a minute to put, put it together, because first of all, I was thinking of the Rainbow and the Dark Man, mm-hmm. and then I was thinking about the program I was in in eighth grade called Differentiated Educational Opportunities, and then, which, <laughs> which, which like any gifted program, sounds like it's a gifted program, and then, uh, then, I, then I realized it's deodorant, so I probably should be taken out of DEO. When there's but, lightning, you know, it <laughs> always brings me down. Where there's smoke, so, there's fire. Mm, yep, yep, yep. No sign of the morning coming. You've been left on your own, like a rainbow in the dark. <laughs> Manuel gave her uh, viral speech on the steps of the Supreme Court at the, quote, White Coat Summit, a gathering of a handful of doctors who call themselves America's frontline doctors and dispute the medical consensus on the novel coronavirus. The event was organized by the right-wing uh, Tea Party Patriots, which is backed by wealthy Republican donors. There's a lot to chew on in here, Dan. It'll be in show notes so people can uh, can check it out. Where would people find show notes for episode diggity? I can do this. 488. Uh, 488. Of it's weird because program. whenever you know the number, I forget it. And whenever I know it, you forget it. It's like we've... Uh, a, well, sometimes what you do, one does a dramatic pause, you yeah. know, when one is hitting command tab to witch over. I witch. Do you switch or witch? I witch. Yin and Click yang. Witch. Yin and yang. Well, I like witch. Yeah. It's not as fast as I would like, but it's okay. Where would people go for that? They would go to backtowork.limo slash 488. 488. 488. Well, we probably can't spend all day on this. No. But I do have Wait, a... Did um, I say the right number? Did I say the right number? I don't want to screw us up. Four eight that'll, eight. that'll wreck our SEO. 488. Yeah. So oh, I, um, okay. I, I, I saw a, a movie last night. Oh, in, in the comfort of my own home. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I'm not, I don't find that I watch a lot of comedies. I, I just, it doesn't, it's not because I'm, I'm dead inside. I mean, I am, but that's not why I don't yeah. watch the comedies. You know, um, co- correlation's not causation. Yeah. I, but I don't, I just find I'm not watching them a lot. It's not a thing. You know, if, if there's one on, if someone wants to watch one, I'll watch it. But I don't like, if, if you said, Dan, you could watch anything. I'd be like, well, let me see a documentary about, you know, the infiltration of cocaine into New York City in the, you know, early 80s. That's my go-to. But a couple of my friends suggested I watch this movie called Palm Springs, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a uh, 2020 film. It's what they would, I guess it'd be a romantic comedy. And uh, it stars uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen... Malati, I think I'm saying that right. And J.K. Simmons, my old my old friend, our old friend, yeah, counterpart. Yeah, just Simmons. Isn't she, isn't she the woman who's in that one episode, that really good Black Mirror on the Star Trek episode with Landry? I believe so. She's a great actress. She's adorable, um, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's really she's very, good. She's virtually elfin. How I Met Your Mother apparently is something that she was on that is another thing I didn't watch. That's a television show. Sure. Dan, I've heard great things about this movie. I have not watched it yet because I have not vetted it for family viewing. Um, and it's, I'm usually, well, as you know, watching teppanyaki videos at night <laughs> myself. But. It's, on, it's on Hulu. and a pe- Ooh, Hulu. Hulu. Plug. And it, went, and it went into Sundance Film Festival and it, like, it, it, it was well-received there and it got sold to Hulu. And so it's, it is, uh, you know, I... I want people to go in cold to this, having no idea what it's about, which is exactly yeah, I how I went into it. Yeah, I appreciate staying that way, but it, it gets you okie dokie. Yes, and it is you. It, the moment that you see it, you will know why I liked it because it is a 
topic that I think about a lot, and it introduces topics that I think about a lot. And it's it's funny and it's well done and it's silly and um and it actually it's it was a fun ride. And I don't usually watch movies like this, so I enjoyed it. So I would say if you have Hulu, go check it out. It's it, I think I read that it was actually the biggest, yeah. Um it it was like the most successful ever anything Hulu has ever made. 94% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So it's good. It's worth your time. But they're putting up big numbers for downloads is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, that's very, cool. That's very nice to popular. Hear. I, I like both of them a lot. Um, I will totally check that out. Um, always looking for something good. What, uh, what was I watched it at night, you? though. Like, bef- yeah. like a, you know, like I started it at probably at 10, 10, 30. Mm-hmm. And I, I should have known better because... At 10.30, I can't have something too exciting if I want to go to bed at around midnight because then, then you're like, but this is a faster-paced movie. It's non it's nonstop. That is a little late for me, and that's one reason I tend to fall back on Tapanyaki, which is mm-hmm. a terrific Guided by Voices album, um, is that, you know, that is late for me, and I, I will <clears throat> probably drift off and lose attention. Like, my, um, my tween is having a very significant Sam Rockwell moment right now. Oh, yeah? And... Yeah, we're we're watching like two Sam Rockwell movies a day, and um, are, are there that many that you could do that for more than a couple of days? <laughs> I think he's done more than four movies, but he no, did. Uh, but he like did what? Moon. Well, yeah, that was the one we watched some of last night. So we what have we watched? We watched Jojo Rabbit a million times. It's, um, both of our one of. How, how would I phrase that? One of both of our favorite movies, especially her. She really loves Jojo Rabbit. And I, I really, really like it a lot. <clears throat> and we watched last, or night before last, rather, we watched um, Iron Man 2 again. And you know, when, for a kid, I think, you don't want to you know, make too big a deal of this. I think it's fun to return to a movie or a TV show that they've seen before. They're more able to appreciate like the like oh you know hey this uh, this show with uh, this Whiplash movie with uh, just kidding Simmons mm-hmm. he's also Grunkle Stan from you know Gravity Falls or you know the 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 Maitre D guy in La La Land mm. etc <clears throat> so um, Iron Man two Jojo Rabbit we looked at uh, some other ones yeah but the thing is last night this is what I'm all I'm trying to say is that I've seen Moon I really like Moon. We mm-hmm. made it about halfway into Moon before um, our delivery food arrived, and it was decided, like, well, we need we need maximum attention for this, so let's just, you know, <laughs> let's escape out to 30 Rock for now and then come back. Um, but, no, th- actually, it's funny. This is something we talked about on um, a recent episode of Reconcilable Differences, where, you know, we're always going back and forth about, you know, things about reviews and ratings, and we bicker about that stuff, as one does with John Syracuse. But I was trying to explore some additional, um, sounds so pretentious, but additional axes for how we choose media at a mm-hmm. given time. Right. You know, whether that's how we would order DVDs from Netflix back in the day or increasingly today. Like, okay, it's this particular time on this particular night, and there's this particular group of, group of people in the room. I mean, already, just those factors. Doesn't that already hugely change everything? If it's you alone in the room on a Saturday at 11 versus the whole, you know, four of you in a room together on a Tuesday at five, right? I mean, 
But I think one of those factors for me is available attention. It's like, I can't, as much as Godfather 2 is my favorite movie, I wouldn't <laughs> want to sit down and watch it every night. That's, that's right. It's, I mean, it's a very, it's, it's, it's very long. <laughs> but I, even a movie like Primer or something, like, sorry, Primer, um, but even the Wacky <laughs> Weirdo movies that I like, I, I have to be in the right mood to like sit and pay attention. If I'm going to watch this Tartovsky movie, I'm going to have to be willing to read several hours of subtitles. With, you know, <laughs> right, right. A very dark image. Yeah. You know, there's so something that, to I don't be, know. Do you ever think about that? No, I definitely do. Um, you know, I think that there is, there is something weird that happens at nighttime where my mind will kind of, that's when I, I want to, like, if I watch something and I get into it, then I'll have, like you're saying, the reading that comes along with it, you've got to do it. Like now you're like, well, now I can't, I'm not going to go to bed wondering this stuff. I need mm-hmm. answers. And I need it now. I hear you. I'm, I, I totally agree. Um, I don't know if this is a particularly good recommendation because anybody who is into this property will certainly have already watched this, but what the heck, we'll take a flyer. I am a huge fan of Edgar Wright, and I really enjoyed the Edgar Wright movie, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And um, as a benefit uh, for charity and for fun, for funzos, uh, most of the crew, sorry, most of the cast of Scott Pilgrim and the writers of Scott Pilgrim and the guy who created Scott Pilgrim, the actual you know comic artist, all got together to do a table read of it. But this isn't your daddy's table read. <laughs> Lots of visual effects, sound effects. It's it's very very cool. So like all the pretty much all the heavy hitters are there. I mean, um, Chris Evans was there. So uh, Captain America and Superman were there. Who who's the guy? Who's who's the handsome young guy? It was the first Superman? You know that guy? Um, in What's our his name in our generation. Oh dang it! Brand is it his name? Brandon something? I oh, I have no idea. Anyway, but also, of course, you get Michael Sarah. You get maybe from Arrested Development. You get uh, Elizabeth Winterhead with the purple hair. You get uh, you get all the all the all the all the great actors. Um, and it's really good. It's really funny. If you enjoyed that movie, oh man, you're gonna laugh and laugh. Bread makes you fat. So good. Have you seen that movie? I have not seen it. You've talked to me about it for years, and I've never seen it. Are you a right fan? It's okay to say no. I mean, did, I, did you like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, whatnot? No. Yeah. 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 Big fan. Big fan. The greater good. Um, who else can see now? I'm uh, having, having a brain fart here. It's, uh, yeah, Michael Cera. Uh, let's see. So Anna Kendrick was there. Allison Pill. Aubrey mm-hmm. Plaza. Allison Pill Jason and Schwartzman. Aubrey Plaza are great. Schwartzman's good. He's still, he's still, um, still has. He's still a, kicking. A, yeah, still doing stuff. If you like Allison Pill in stuff like devs, you're going to love her or Star Trek. You're going to love her in this. She's very funny in this in a way that I hadn't seen, haven't seen her in anything else. Knives Chow is in it. Ellen Wong. She's still, still around. Anyway, check it out. It's on, uh, it's on the YouTube. Well, oh, did, well, how, what, what kind of day are we looking at for sponsors today, Dan? We got another one. We'll do one more and then we'll just talk about whatever. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, unlike this, the usual structure that we've had for most of this episode, that way we can move into a more freeform environment <laughs> right. and, and talk, maybe talk about our spirit wives a little bit. <laughs> our second sponsor is Zendesk. <laughs> I'm sorry, for some reason the phrase spirit wife swapper just went through my head. I'm a spirit swinger, yeah. I mean, I feel like there are different rules. There's different rules it of the wife. It was her idea! spirit wife. 
You she know. wanted to keep the relationship fresh. She said, oh, you're alive. I'm dead. There you, you know go. what I'm saying? Yes. Hey, Dan, why, why don't you talk about something you like? I would love to tell you about Zendesk, Merlin. Oh, Zendesk. I really love Zendesk. Come Zendesk is, uh, is a great, great platform. I have used this for a long time. They are a service-first CRM company, and they build software that is designed to improve customer relationships. That's the gist of it. And so what does that mean? That means that they're going to help make it easier for you to keep up with your customers, with the problems that they're having and help give them a solution. That is what they are all about. They are currently offering a six-month complimentary remote support bundle. So this is the exact thing that you're going to figure out that you need, all of the essential tools to stay agile, to keep connected with your customers, via by email or phone or chat or community forum or help center or social media. All of this stuff is built into Zendesk and those integrations that they have, those different parts of their platform that they have are based on years and years and years of experience that they've had building software to help you support your customers, regardless of what kind of customers you have or what kind of product you make. And it takes hours, not weeks to get the whole thing up and running. It was basically started on one simple idea. They want to make customer service software that's easy to use and accessible to everyone with a single dynamic help desk interface. And one of the things that I found really reduced support tickets and support requests at Fireside was using the knowledge base feature. So after I would have a question that might get answered, asked two or three times, say, you know what, this needs to be in the help desk. People can search it and you can create your own flow so that instead of just Click here to submit a ticket. You take them first to the to the knowledge base where they can type in their question, like, how do I contact Apple to tell them I have a problem, whatever. And then you have the article that you've written. They see it. And then maybe their answer is right there. They don't even have to submit a ticket to you. This is just one example of how easy Zendesk makes it to support your customers and reduce that. That's not even in the notes. You're reducing your own support time by using their tools, which is just great. Uh, so the URL to go to to learn more is zen, Z-E-N, zendesk.com slash back to work. That will get you started with a free six-month remote support bundle, which is going to have everything you need to support your customers. Uh, and it's a great offer. So again, zendesk.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Thanks, Zendesk. Bok, bok. Did you say knowledge base? Is that what it's called? That's what I call it, but it's it's the place you go where there's the little there's a little question box and you just start typing like how do I mm-hmm. or you just type in yeah, a keyword. I think I've interacted with that. Yep, 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 yep. I interacted with that just yesterday trying to find out why my fourth HomeKit camera, because they're all bad in different ways, mm. does not have geofencing. <laughs> oh, can you believe that? Can you believe you could put a security uh, like a you know an indoor monitoring camera on the market today? That's not doesn't have built-in geofencing. The software that is. Because it's all software based. Ugh. Right. It's all software nowadays. Um yeah, that's where the real money is. We had an idea for a topic today, but I I feel well, so what we talked about a little bit in the past, and this is certainly not substantial enough for a whole big main topic, but it still interests me. Um, what's the future what are the futures gonna look like in a you know, every, this is, okay, me talking right now, 
me talk like this, this is the exact problem with my trying to think about this. When I say something like, what's the future going to be like after COVID? Well, that has a lot of assumptions built into it. And I'm not trying to be like a, like a, one of those funny internet fake nihilists. Um, at least it's, you know, an ethos, you know, the, uh, <laughs> national anyway. Um, but even when I try to say something like, what's the future going to look like after COVID? Well, first of all, that, that presumes that we will have an after COVID time. And by which I also mean, well, will that mean just the novel coronavirus that came out in 2019? No. I mean, people like, I guess, like Bill Gates or whomever for years has been saying, like, we're looking at a pandemic future as more and more, as global um, climate climate change causes shifts in, um, in, in the different uh, ecosystems. You know, we're going to see more and more crazy stuff that used to be an animal disease turn into a person disease. That's what a, a bunch of the pandemics in the last 20 years have been, right? Isn't that like bird flu or yeah. um, SARS, the original uh, old school SARS, OG mm-hmm. SARS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the OG, the OG, yeah. The OG, not this new one, not this novel one. But no, but I believe, I mean, at least in part, so many of those things, and we're not at this point, we're not even getting into climate refugees, of which many of us will be. Um, but when I try to figure that out, what is it going to look like? Dan, my problem is look, right here, I have this pad of paper and a pen where I was writing, trying to figure out all of the different factors that kind of touch on one another. Mm-hmm. Because in my brain, I was thinking, is this something that is as quote unquote simple as the project management triangle, right? It, could there be something as much as like, oh, is it public? What are they, what, if there were three sides, three angles mm-hmm. to wh- figuring out the future and how it gets paid for and stuff, would it be like the economy mm-hmm. slash jobs would be one side is, uh, you know, obviously public health, one of the sides, like, how do you come up with that? And I, I ended up coming up with so many different things that seem, how do you put this? It's so difficult for me to figure out what any one thing will look like in the future, since each one of those single one things is dependent on four or five other things that I feel like are virtually unknown right now. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of sort of make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. I mean, okay, let's jump in anywhere. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, so three big things that are going to come up a lot in the way that we think about what comes next is going to include, I believe, public health um, and, you know, sort of health resources and all the things regarded to the actual, like, tamping down, in this case, you know, COVID. Uh, There's, you know, let's say the economy and there's schools. And those are all three, and this is if we're just saying, if we take it as read that there's just three sides to this triangle. And I think, first of all, it's not a triangle. It's probably a dodecahedron (laughs) spinning through space. But what I'm trying to say is like, well, it's, I I keep coming back to that phrase from Star Trek, the Kobayashi Maru scenario, which if you're not a dork, uh, it's a it's a wonderfully novel. Is it a spoiler to say what Kobayashi Maru is? We talked about it on here a lot. No, I don't think it is. I think it, everyone can know that, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It's well, in there's, the first a, there's a famous test the they give at Starfleet to to people who are going to you know I guess potentially become a captain or like an officer on the deck or whatever. And so you you know you've been through many simulations in your career at Starfleet, your uh, your time there. But I, I, the one thing that's extremely implausible about this is how it stays mostly a secret. But I'm sure that's accounted for somewhere. Anyhow, at one point you will be given this simulation and like many simulations you've had, this is going to be a very difficult simulation where you have to do something difficult, which is that there's this ship uh, full of people that needs to be rescued. And I think it's that they, to get to the ship, you have to go through this Klingon, like, um, like a DMZ, basically. All you need to know about this is 
there is literally <laughs> no way to win, okay? The test has been designed, depending on whether you're in, uh, you know, which, I'm not going to say the K word, don't worry. Depending on which timeline we're talking about here, the whole idea of the Kobayashi Maru scenario is that it is presented to you as a, as a tactical challenge. Like, how will you decide what to do, and then how will you do it? Okay, but what you don't know until you take the test is that no matter what you do, everybody on the Kobayashi Maru dies, and everybody on your ship dies. And so what you don't know until you've failed the test, because you will fail the test, what you, what you don't realize until you fail the test is that it's not a so much a test of leadership, it's a test of character. It's a right. test to see... You what, how would you respond in an unwinnable situation? How do you exactly. react to it? How do you respond to it? What put, do you put do? In, put into the most kind of grave scenario that a captain would ever probably have to face. How will you act? And how, right. will, you, how will you decide? And I guess, you know, I mean, I guess one practical component is like, how will you try to mitigate risk and make it less bad? But that's not the point. The point is you're, everybody's going to get to watch what it looks like as you watch your crew die. And how will you handle that? Right. So why do I keep talking about that here? Because oh, and there's some background. There's such a good trivia. I want to, sh I'm like trying not what, to share Kirk, it so part? hard. No. The Kirk part or the what? Okay. I can, can I share this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Spoilers for the next uh, minute. Okay. Or so, or however long it takes ki ki Kind of. Okay. So in oh, the boy. movie, uh, Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, it opens with yep. um, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley from Cheers. From Cheers, playing a Vulcan who is actually maybe part Romulan, but they don't go into that in this movie. And she is taking the Kobayashi Maru. And of course, like everybody, except Kirk, uh, who Eventually. cheated. Um, or sorry, in retrospect, I guess. Yeah. Um, who She fails it, of course. And in the process of this, though, and here's the trick. Here's the part that has nothing to do really with the Kobayashi Maru. But this is in the first five minutes of the movie. It opens, it's the Enterprise, and who's who's Lieutenant Savick, and why is she running the Enterprise, and why are, like, well, but here's the thing. Everybody dies, including mm -hmm. Spock. Because it starts in media res, and we, we, we don't know that you were watching a scenario. It looks we like We don't know. It looks just yeah. like we're, we're watching a movie. there's our old friends. There's Bones and Spock and everybody. And Spock dies. And the reason that they did this is because apparently there was a leak and this is back in pre-internet days. <gasps> Are you kidding me? There was a leak. The script got out and people knew that Spock was going to die in the movie. And so they had him die in the first five minutes of it. And then, but not really be dead because it was a simulation. And that threw everyone off so that later in the movie, when the things that happened, happened, people were taken by surprise. It that preserved. That is so smart. There you go. Oh my God. That's so smart. I didn't explain it what very a, what well. A, what a very modern way to address a very, mo at the time, like, not even a modern, I mean, pre-modern. <laughs> that was leaks like that. I've always, you've heard of that happening with like, um, oh, what's the name of the Star Trek leak? Or Star, excuse me, this, oh God, my daughter's going to kill me. The Star Wars leak. Um, blue, not Blue Helm, or what is it called? The Doesn't matter. That's so cool. And also, isn't there like a funny Easter egg thing with uh, eating a piece of hand fruit? Oh, I don't know about that one. I think there's some Kirk hand fruit action. Because like when Chris, when, when, uh, when Chris, when Chris Pine is uh, doing it in the, in the K-Word series. So anyway, why do I keep talking about the Kobayashi Maru? 
First of all, I think it's a fascinating idea as a thing. I've, I've been obsessed with that. Even before I became more of a Star Trek fan, thanks to my dorky kid. Um, why do I say that here? Because even if, and I just want to stipulate here, I think there's a lot more to this than any three legs of a stool or sides of a triangle. But if we take it as, the, for the, the, uh, we need to get the economy back open. Why did the economy close? The economy closed because of this, this health challenge. And we had to close the schools as well. Well, the economy can't really get going until we open the schools. We can't open the schools until we tamp down the health threat. And all the time that we're tamping down the health threat and the schools are closed, the economy is getting worse and worse. And the reason I say Kobayashi Maru, and, and so what are some of the other ones I have here? Schools, employment. So when we say economy, that includes employment and spending, for example. Just, just two quickies, right? Mm-hmm. So when this is, you know, and you know me, you know me in the word stuff, like when people keep saying we need to reopen the economy, well, regrettably, that is a virtually meaningless phrase. Re- reopen the economy is not a thing. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You mean have retail stores open again? Yeah, I do. Okay. So we open retail stores again. How, tell, me, tell me what happens with that. Well, a bunch of people go back to work and then people come in and they spend money and we've reopened the economy. Oh, and how are they going to be safe, the employees and are you sure people are going to want to go back to the mall like this week? You know, you, the further you get into this, the deeper down you dive into any part of this, the more complex and connected it, it strikes me that so much of this is. So when I sit and I put on my, my Nostradamus pants and I want to think about the future, I find it hard to get past a few weeks. At, at each point, it starts tripping up. As long as these, the case and death rates and hospitalization rates keep going up, I don't see this getting anything but more complicated unless you happen to be in a death cult. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Do you, you know what I mean about the Kobayashi Maru part, though? Because, like, everybody's saying, okay, we've got to reopen the economy. Well, we've got to reopen the schools. We've got to do that. Well, right. what if that causes a crushing amount of new um, incidents that then gets, now you're spreading it. You're, you're like, like we said a few weeks ago, it's Postmates you know, for COVID, mm-hmm. you're basically taking this from the school. You're basically going to school to pick up disease and then bring it back to grandma at home, which is very convenient for her. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to be like clever Charlie here and say like, Oh, ho, I have this big solution. No, I do not know how to, I, I don't know how to break the programming of the Kobayashi Maru scenario for right now. I don't know what that is. Like when you try to think about what happens I mean, I guess with anything involving the future, it gets increasingly difficult the further out you go because there's so many things that we we don't know that will lead to things that we don't know. But when you think about like short to medium term, what are the things that, are there things that jump out for you that you think are more likely to change, less likely to change, more interesting to change? Like what do you, when you think about the future, whatever it is, where do, what do you find yourself thinking about? You know, I mean, for me, it, again, like with everything, it's all like, how how do we move forward from where we are now in the way that's the least destructive as possible, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, well, you mentioned the whole school thing. And I think all, every, literally every single conversation I've had with a friend in the last week or two starts out, regardless of what our agenda is to talk about, you know, business related, it starts out with, oh, what am I going to do yeah. about this school thing? What's, what are you guys doing? What are you going to do? And I think everybody is feeling that way right now. Yeah. Um, and so looking past that's kind of hard for me. I can't even imagine what the world's going to be like in a year or two or three and, and everything that's going on. I mean, 
it's super weird and it's super frustrating and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, wow, what are, what are we supposed to do? Like either we send our kids in and cross our fingers and say, maybe, maybe what they said about kids, not really getting it so much, not really spreading it when they do have, maybe that's all true, but we don't know. Like we don't know. Cause, cause these folks have so much credibility in <sighs> terms of taking scientific advice and then uh, taking pains to make sure that strangers are taken care of. Their, their, their record on that is so solid oh, that we God. have to assume that they would only have the best of intentions for the children. Oh, and, there's, and, there's, there's so much good faith to everything they've said through this entire time. They've built exactly. up such a backlog of credibility that I'll just take anything they say uh, you know, at face value. That's the thing. So we can't trust anything that we're being told, really. We don't know what the motivation is for it, really. I mean, if you go... To the very, very far end of it. Re-election. I mean, how do you not draw the conclusion that you it's have about to. re-election? You have to. You have to think that it's connected to that. And yet- If you, th- as, as John Syracuse says, you back solve from that, a lot of stuff makes a ton of sense. Everything, if you, I mean, I, I'm, I, forgive me for being political here. Actually, I don't care if you forgive me for being political here. This is not a political issue. Um, if you back solve from this, starting with the principle that everything goes back to the president's vanity- well, then what does that mean? Ergo, he needs to win this election. Um, he will be served with many, many, many papers on January 21st if he is not reelected. He has many, many reasons to want to stay reelected. But paramount above all is his vanity. Right. What else does that mean? Well, as a man of great vanity, that also means that he can never admit that he's wrong or he's very reluctant to talk about how information evolves. I'm not telling you all anything you don't know, but I would sure not be looking... <sighs> for a great deal of guidance from this administration. Um, when I was particularly well caffeinated a few days ago and thinking about this topic, I added a bunch of things to show notes um, that we don't have anywhere near time to get into. But if you're interested in this stuff, some things I threw in here, uh, a really interesting article from The Atlantic called Walls Are Back, uh, and thinking about work in particular. Personal space is finally back in style, recreating it after two decades of its destruction is hardly a straightforward task. American schools are a new, art, a different article. American schools are a moral and medical catastrophe. My personal favorite of all of these, uh, from uh, uh, a person I know a little bit from the internet, uh, Dana Stevens wrote a piece called "Parents Are Furious That Schools Can't Open, Reopen." And Dan, if you only read one thing, that might be the one, all just because right. it really harnesses what you're talking about here. The like, you know, the the fear in, in America, and the angst and the and the the feeling that no matter well, just what, the flat you out pick anger. Is bad. The, the, yeah. the, the, the her the, the I think the sort of. Um, the pitch is, well, we were, we were given a very clear, if difficult, uh, decision to make in the spring, which was, are we all willing to shut our lives completely down in the interest of being able to have something to come back to, hopefully over the summer, definitely by the time school starts? And we said, yay, sure, we're going to be, we're gonna be you know, good liberals and put these masks on and, and stay at home and do all the things. But, of course, you know, Lucy pulled the football away. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to go out and, I don't know, get their uh, body shots on, whatever a body shot is. But I don't know. And I'm not here to, like, drag the young people. I have to I tell you a story. I have who... to tell you a story. I have to tell this to you. I you you to can. You, the, the, I, w- I want to hear your story. But, like, it's very frustrating to me that there's been this fairly slow roll strategy over the past month or two. You could feel this was more and more turning into, well, first it became obvious that the president was going to blame everything on the governors. The governors are going to blame everything on the mayors. The mayor is going to blame everything. I don't know. I guess on the stupid kids. But you could see the, the second part of that then became this whole shift to like, let's blame the youths. Tell me your anecdote. Okay. Just going back to the fact of, of it's not just as simple as what we're being told and, and not knowing who to trust. 
It's the fact that people themselves don't think logically about things. And I'll, I'll give you this example. This happened on Saturday. I was at Whole Foods doing our uh, grocery, getting some of the groceries that we need. And that's like the one time that I am out where other people are in a week. And everybody is here in Austin at the Whole Foods that I go to. People are very, very good about, they're all wearing masks. They're all social mm -hmm. distancing. They're everything. And even the customers get on board with this. It's, it's the thing where like, if you're walking and someone else sees you, they'll just pull their cart away and wait. Like it, it, they're very self-conscious about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there was the, a girl that worked there and a customer, a customer would, I would say um, a woman in her mid forties dressed nicely wearing a mask. They're walking down the aisle and it's clear that the girl that works there is showing the woman uh, where an item is. Oh, they're over here on this section. They're up there. Sometimes they're hard to find. They're down on the bottom shelf here. And the woman stops for a minute, pulls her mask down and takes a deep inhale through her nose like that and says, oh, with the mask still down. Oh, it was you who smells so good. And the girl says, oh, boy, oh, that's There's a lot I don't love about that. such and such my hair product that I use. Thank you so much for saying so. And then she puts Ooh. her mask back on and says, well, thanks for the help. And, you know, then goes to get her item. This is the kind of thing that this there's so much to unpack here and there's so many questions that I have. When I saw this happen, I thought, does, does the woman not know that doing that is, I would say, a higher risk behavior? Does she know and not care? <laughs> is she only wearing the I mask? I think a lot of people think of it less as a medical, pseudo-medical device and more as <clears throat> like a, a fun hat. Right or like, or like, a, a when Larry Kudlow finally appeared in public wearing a mask, I believe yesterday, to to give his usual you know dissertation of lies, he was of course like standing out, uh, I guess at the White House, and he had the mask on with his nose out the top of it. This is the man who's like who we who we are to entrust with all of the money things. Right. Uh, it's like you. I mean, well, to me, the the question is, I think for a lot of people, wearing a mask is simply a indicating that they are conforming. They are a conformist. Oh, they are doing what they're told gonna to do. I'm going to blow okay. your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. Hit me, hit me, hit me. You're not going to believe, well, okay, can we do a mic drop? Can this be the last thing we talk about? Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? No. Because this is, this is in, unless you got into my notes and I'm hacked, you're not going to believe what I'm going to close with. Um, so, <laughs> I don't tell a story as well as uh, John Roderick does, but I've been really, you know, banging my head over this and feeling pretty stupid about trying to have even some tentative fake futurism to figure stuff out. I just want to get Kevin Kelly on the horn and just have him tell me what the world's going to look like better or worse. Um, but literally th this very morning, a new episode of a show I really like popped up in overcast and at, yes, sing it with me. Uh, you are not so smart. A show mostly about cognitive bias and all kinds of uh, really interesting stuff. And the last couple of episodes, especially have been real bangers. So, uh, in show notes, he needs to update his website. So I'm just giving you the overcast link here. Episode 185, Masks. Uh, why do I want to call him Gerald McRaney? Is Gerald McRaney the name of an actor? Is that, is that, what's his name? Is that uh, uh, Sergeant Boss? Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Dad? What's his name? <laughs> Uncle Dad? <laughs> is he Uncle, no, who's, <laughs> who's Gerald McRaney? Is he Simon and Simon? Is he Simon from Simon and Simon? I don't know what you're talking about. 
What is the guy's name? Oh, In what? Gerald, is it Gerald McRaney? Is that the guy's name? <laughs> Gerald McBoingboing? What, what was the guy's name? about? Gerald McRaney was on Simon and Simon and Major Dad. Okay. It's not Uncle Grandpa. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, Gerald anyway, McRaney, so this guy's he, name was, is, uh, he played uh, Hearst in Deadwood. He, he was Simon. That's that's absolutely right, which had Kristen Bell, a young Kristen Bell. Yes. <sighs> David McRaney, no relation, <laughs> has a show called You Are Not So Smart. Uncle Dad. Is, this, is that, this is what Marco, yeah, please, I got to capture all of this. This is what Marco Arment calls the snap to grid name problem, which is because his <laughs> name is Marco. People call him the name that is most familiar to them that is like Marco. Mm. I think about this all the time. It's why my wife Madeline has always been called Natalie, mm. or like why I get called Marvin, or why Marco <laughs> gets called Mark. Anyway, Gerald McCraney, <laughs> David McCraney has this great show, You Are Not So Smart. Literally this morning, I wake up, I'm not even out of bed, and I, um, I start listening to uh, this new episode of his show, um, episode 185, Masks, and I think it's sort of, um, I don't say cobbled together, but it is perhaps an extension of a show he did a year or two ago. Um, he's basically taking this, this stuff around what he's, what he's calling tribal psychology, but just the idea of there's all kinds of cognitive, uh, BS around tribalism and basically talking to these four different folks about how that applies to stuff like masks. And I'm telling you, man, the first like 15 minutes, yeah, I'm so grateful for that experience that I have gratefully quite often where I realize how stupid I was a minute ago. And and how much slightly less stupid I am now. And that's why You Are Not So Smart is such a good name for this show. Because he's talking about the most obvious thing in the world. It seems so obvious, but mm-hmm. I need it explained to me with pigs and bunnies. And the question is this. Well, how did masks become a political issue? And of course, now, <clears throat> before you can even wait for the question mark to land on that, there's going to be hot takes aplenty from yeah. everybody about yeah. that. Yeah. And fake news and this and that. But... But really, to cut to the chase, this speaks with this uh, this one woman who uh, very lucidly talks about, well, this is how, the, the way that tribalism works is that human beings seek to be in a tribe out of a, well, certainly out of things like self-preservation. Like, at, and at certain points, it, you go from having opponents and rivals to having us and them. So this is either our food that lets our people live, or it's their food and we die. I won't go on about this except to say, and I haven't finished the whole episode, but it's really good. And, it, and what, what you're describing right there, this, it, it's exactly what this is, which is, it's so important that I signal my allegiance to my tribe. And this, is, this goes for everybody. There's nobody who this is not true for. Right. Um, but it's just that we, it's so important for us to signal to our tribe that we're in the right, we're in the in-group and... It, but it also leads to this really strange phenomenon. So they talk about this one experiment. And I, personally, I think these kinds of, I'm not sure how much these experiments are going to hold up to replication. My guess is not at all. But blah, 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 you have a test. You say to this group, this arbitrarily chosen group, you know, you can either have a prisoner's dilemma thing. You can have $5 or you can split it with these people. And we'll always want the thing that gives us everything and the other person nothing. I think all our prisoner's dilemma but there's another kind of phenomenon that happens that I think is very well typified by what happened with desegre- desegregation in the 60s, mm-hmm. which is that in some of the areas that were, that were um, most um, reluctant or just refused to have anything to do with integration, the white community shut down the schools entirely rather than let 
black kids go to the schools. Did you know this? No, tell me more about this. I want to say, I want, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to say something that's untrue. I want to say that it was in Alabama, but um, there were some areas, some districts where, you know, uh, Eisenhower and Kennedy and Johnson and everybody was getting real serious about this. I think Eisenhower at one point sent in the National Guard to, you know, enforce uh, desegregation. But there were some schools where they said, fine, we just won't have schools anymore. If, you, if you're going to make us have black kids at, at my no kid's way. school, we're just going to close the schools. So not only is it a matter of tribalism in the sense of, I want us to win and I want you to lose. Further, it's not just that I want us to win decisively and you to lose decisively. I also want it to be such a zero-sum thing that I, I cannot even stand the idea of, of, I can't stand the idea of me not winning and you not losing so much that I would set us both on fire. Here right. Before I would let you have anything approximating a non-loss. And that's what tribalism does to us. And that is why... That is why the mask things are such a problem right now. And and Dan, as a fan of the state of Florida, you're going to enjoy many of the <laughs> clips that, that he plays from these meetings. Okay. And it really is, you know that you know my you might know a, a beloved care breakout character of mine called the Mr. Trump sir guy. You know, Mr. Trump sir, I will not wear this muzzle. <laughs> and so it's like that guy and right. the, and that guy's you know spirit wife uh, coming up to the mic. It's it's got extremely strong Parks and Rec um, public meeting energy. But I thought it was very thought-provoking, and uh, I, I want to commend our listeners to go and check it out, because apparently you do like podcasts, uh, the Masks uh, episode of You Are Not So Smart. That wasn't as much of a mic drop as I thought, say something. Uh, no, I mean, it was a huge it was a huge mic drop. It was huge. And you think I, that was a good mic drop? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we can't go on today. We have to break for a week. Full name is Michael Drop. <laughs> hmm. Oh, Sorry. My, my, Michael Droppolini, they changed it at uh, Ellis Island. Oh my gosh. That it won. That happens, you know? It does happen. <laughs> Little legs swinging on the chair. God, I love that movie. All right. Uh, uh, did you just watch it or, or something? No, no, I can't. I don't have the available attention. Mm. I got no attention. Okay. We, what, what, uh, uh, did you get enough of your say in here? I feel yeah, like I really no. I, well, I like the ones where you come in with a strong. Monopolize it, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.